Hey, Hamza. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having yeah. me on. Yeah, it's very good to see you. I know we've been talking about this for a while now, so it's great that we've actually got here. <laughs> I've been really excited. I've been telling my boys about this on Instagram that Medito, honestly, it changed my life. This is how I was introduced to meditation. And so it's, it's an honor to be here. Cool. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Like, it's I love to hear when people are you know, finding Medita useful and yeah, it's making making a difference. So yeah, so happy to hear that. Um, yeah, I thought just to begin with, um, I thought we could tell people kind of how this happened, like how we ended up speaking to each other. Um, so uh, basically, we started getting a lot of comments on our uh, Play Store and on our Instagram page saying things about Adonis. And we were like, oh, Adonis, like, where is this coming from? And it went on for quite a while and there were lots of people doing it. Um, and then eventually I made the connection because I saw one of your videos where you talked about Adonis. And I was like, is this why people are saying this? But I wasn't sure. But yeah, the longer it went on, the clearer it became that it was, yeah, it was coming from you. Um, so yeah, maybe you could just tell us a bit more about what Adonis is and why these people are talking about Adonis to Asset Medito. You know, I'm interested right now before I tell you, what is your perception of Adonis? Okay, yeah, so I would say it's almost like an, an ideal person, an ideal figure to kind of uh, aspire to. So somebody who's masculine, uh, somebody who is mindful, somebody who uh, has gratitude and compassion. Um, and it's kind of like a modern man in a way because uh, it has the elements of masculinity, but it also has those sides, like the, the mindfulness and gratitude, which you don't often see in like the traditional masculine figure. Mm, How, do, do you think that sounds about right? Yeah, 100% <laughs> perfect. My, my um, idea for creating this character was that I wanted to have a very solid, like perfect role model for young men. And mm. I think it's such a big problem that a lot of young men don't have great role models. We've got like absent father figures. And so the idea behind this character that I've made, Adonis is like, uh, I use the pictures of like Giga Chad, which is like an internet meme. And then we have mm. like me talk about Adonis and Jeffrey at the start of every single video where I talk about this very like poor polarized different characters where Jeffrey does like all the bad habits and he has the worst mindset but Adonis does all the good habits and he's kind of like what we want to strive for so he's mm -hmm. kind of like the stereotypical alpha male these days it's too negative it's like yeah it shows some level of masculinity and strength but then you also see a lack of humility you see almost selfishness this is almost like the ultimate male where he brings the the best traits of like the alpha male but then also where he prioritizes mental health and community yeah yeah i think that's amazing and the fact as well that you're reaching lots of young men with this message is re really great because i think mindfulness in general is probably a lack of an entry point for young men um i would say like if we if i look at the stats for our instagram page it's probably more like sli slightly more skewed towards women than men um and i'm not yeah i'm not 100 percent sure why but probably because of that traditional masculine uh, image I guess and mindfulness doesn't traditionally fit in with that so I think it's amazing mm. that you're kind of bridging the gap um, and you're doing obviously doing it really well because you have such a huge following of young guys who 
you know, hanging on your every word. <laughs> um, mm, thank you. So, and how have you done that? How have you built up such a big following? Give them hope. I think so many young guys have experienced like the dark, like the down days of addiction, video games, porn, drugs, junk food, doing all of the bad habits you can imagine. And they often don't see a route out of this. And so the, the creators in my space who do show a pathway out of those dark days, usually it's just very one dimensional. It's like, oh yeah, make money and then girls will like you or build your body and then girls will like, you know, it's, it's just like focusing on one thing. But the truth is that young men amongst every other kind of person want like the good life. We don't just want money or girls or the body. We want the ability to feel happy and grateful and present. And no one really taught me this for most of my life up until I just stumbled upon Medito and I started trying meditation, of course, like I sucked at it at first. But more and more, then I, I started learning about it, I read a few books on it, and I realized that this is one of the most important things of life. Like it, all of your life is really comprised of your ability to interpret your consciousness and if you're not present through that, which so many young people aren't, men, um, male and female, just because of like hyperstimulation and social media, like they're, they're just in their mind so much that they can't even be present with their work or their, their friends, then you're not even living. So I kind of sh try and show my boys, I think by first of all, leading the example myself, but showing them like the life that they could have if they just commit to self-improvements. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so many things come out of, of what you just said in terms of not being mindful, not being in the present moment. Like it leads to anxiety and depression and so many other things. So, and also being stuck in, like you say, if they were just focusing on building up my body so I can, you know, I can get the right girl or something like that, uh, you can get too stuck in in like on one thing which won't necessarily lead to your happiness so yeah having like a, a rounded picture um and focusing on mental health like it really makes a big difference isn't it um so you've mentioned that you came up with the idea for adonis and you kind of developed that story around adonis and jeffrey um but like at what point did you realize that it was something that you wanted to do, like to create this. Because I think having having a strong story like that is really important in terms of captivating people, in, in terms of getting your message across. So you've obviously done that really well. How intentional was that? Did you think, right, I need to come up with some structure in order to uh, to be able to tell the story? Or did it kind of happen naturally and did it kind of just flow out of, did you just pick up a camera and start talking? Or like, how did that happen? <laughs> All of the credit is due to the first video editor I had, Sam, where, so in a random video, not even, you know, specific to mental health or to these characters, I just said, okay, picture these guys. And I just gave the example of I, literally just the first name that came out of my mind was Jeffrey. And he does like the bad habit that I was talking about in that video. Then I had to think of like the, the good, like the best type of person, for some reason, the word Adonis, because it sounded like mm -hmm. some like Greek God or something. <laughs> so I said that, and that's all that I said, that was all my input. But then my video editor with no instruction from me found those images. So for mm -hmm. Jeffrey, we use like this Wojak meme. And for Adonis, we use Giga Chad. So my, my video editor is very like in the um, in internet space, especially with like memes and everything. So he just kind of put them together. It worked. People like, commented saying that they liked it, that it was funny. And then we literally started putting it at the start of every single video since then. 
Wow. So yeah, so it was quite organic then, I guess. It kind of just yeah. it wasn't completely planned out. Amazing. Um and so when you were, so I guess you had a video editor, um, you had you'd started your channel. Did you have an intention for which like the direction you're going in, or was that also quite natural? That's a really good question. So my intention at the start was not about movements or even mental health or any any kind of like positive impact quite honestly and selfishly my attention was just to make money online so that I didn't have mm. to work jobs that I didn't like so I, I really have been through the rags the riches story like I started off I discovered medito meditation when I was living in like the city in my student city after I graduated and I was working like full-time jobs I was working as a homeless accommodation assistant so like doing night shifts and very very bad mental health and my escape from that life that I didn't like from like jobs that used to make me cry was thinking that if I made 500 to 1000 pounds a month online through something like YouTube, or I was trying like a couple of different businesses, then I would have like such a huge sense of freedom where I didn't need to work. And so that was the original impact. And so if you scroll all the way down my videos, it's like, they're just random. One of them's about mental health. The next one's about like curing back pain. I've never had back pain, but I literally just thought I'll make the video. So they're just random videos up until I started speaking about mental health related to like modern day stimulation. And there was like this term that was going viral called dopamine detoxing, which a lot of young people can relate to. It's this idea that we just consume too much like dopamine activities, which is like social media, porn, video games, YouTube. And I, I could really relate to that. So I spoke about that, mentioned it then that the cure to that was to take a step back from modern technologies and to like live as our ancestors did, go into nature, meditate, journal, read, just sit and contemplate life. And that message really, really, really resonated still to this day. A lot of people tell me it's the best advice I've ever gave is just kind of like sit around, don't do anything, don't stimulate yourself, just look at your wall and just like see what happens to your brain. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I just got back from Peru last week and I did um, like a bit of a detox just in the jungle, no, no phone, no signal, no salt, no sugar, just plain food. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. And like that connection with nature swimming in the lake in the jungle uh, with no distractions yeah no That's spicy sick. food no no flavorful food even and um yeah so i totally understand that and i would recommend to anybody you don't have, obviously don't have to go to the jungle to do it but <laughs> yeah just like, so put, awesome. your, put your phone on airplane mode right <laughs> every now did and did you then. get any like psychological insights from that i did get some insights yeah um yeah quite a, quite a few insights um I don't know whether to go into them right now. <laughs> I think one of, on. I, I, I can talk about one that, which I, I think is quite relevant actually to, to the topic we're talking about in terms of masculinity and things. Um, quite a, a prominent insight that came to me was around, well, I was calling it mother energy and father energy. I was kind of thinking that everybody or everything even has like a mother or a father energy, or you could say masculine or feminine energy. Um, not necessarily limited to you know, women have the female energy or the mother energy, but it could be a mix, like everybody has a mixture of, of both to some extent. Um, and the mother energy generally is loving and warm and caring. Um, and all they want is for their, their children to be safe. Uh, and the father energy uh, is very much rooted in the real world and it's tough and it's, it can be hard and it tells the truth. Uh, and the purpose of that is to prepare the child for for the real world 
uh, and prepare it for the hardships that might be to come. And sometimes that might be perceived as less loving than the mother energy, mm. um, but it's rooted in love. Um, mm. And but and both of these come with their own problems. Like the mother energy comes with anxiety. It's like inherent because all they want is for their child to be safe and anxiety comes with that. And with the father energy, what comes with that being rooted in the real world is a lack of hope and a lack of faith at times, not all of the time, but it can lead to lack of faith and lack of hope. Um, but the solution to both of those problems, so the mother and the father energy is love. Um, mm. That's and, a really, really good understanding. Yeah. And I think it, it seems to apply um, for most situations, I think. Like, and, and as I said, there's a mix, we all have a mixture of mother and father energy within us. Um, sometimes uh, a father might in, in a in a family situation, sometimes a father might have all of the mother energy and mm. the mother might have all of the father energy. Um, uh, but and, and another thing that came to me as well that I, was those energies can go almost too far in one direction. So you can have a mother um, who has gone extremely far down the mother energy path and, and her anxiety is extremely high and she becomes an overbearing mother. And I, I guess we've probably all known that kind of uh, person from, you know, so, at some point in our lives. Um, and the father energy, if that goes too far, then it can lead to, it could be abusive because it goes beyond just preparing the child for the, the outside world and the hardship. And it, it becomes too tough and too hard and it can lead to, and yeah, an abusive father relationship. Um, mm. So yeah, that was just, I probably rambled a bit too much there. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so really like coming back to Adonis. So Adonis is very much based around masculinity. So mm. if there is this idea of there being a balance between mother and father, father energy, like how much of the mother energy is in Adonis? Like, is there like a feminine side to Adonis? Hmm. I haven't really considered that. So the examples I've gave is that he is masculine. He's goal striving, focus on purpose and mission. So when you said, okay, you know, one of the problems can be that you can go in either side too much. The cure to that is polarization with your partner. So as long as you and your partner hit both the masculine and the feminine it doesn't really matter who brings which side mm -hmm. but as long as you bring the polarization together and you meet in the middle then that is generally a successful relationship in terms of the masculine feminine energies usually in terms of these energies when there's an imbalance when for example both people have become more masculine or both people have become more feminine that's when a lot of like especially the sexual polarization dies down inside of the relationship the the book the way of the superior mind by david Dieter is like awesome explanation of this where he says that when a couple is depolarized and especially when the man has lost a lot of his masculinity you'll never see that couple uh, passionately arguing and then suddenly make love and it really like it really clicked and then he said mm -hmm. if you do see one which is like a very masculine man very masculine a very feminine woman then they're the ones who you see who would actually fight a lot but that fight is also kind of like what you said it's like a display of the love because they have to clash, they have to butt heads because they're so different from each other. But it is our differences that cause that attraction. So with Adonis, what I've tried to do is I still want him to have like some of the, the most, in my opinion, like the most 
important feminine traits that help men. So those are the things like still valuing love, still valuing relationships and social connection and brotherhood and deep conversation, because we know that those are so nourishing for us. And so many men just overlook that because it's like, oh, you know, like uh, gossiping is for women. But that's like, if, if there's anything, I, I believe all the studies that I've seen is like the number one thing that really makes us happy is social connection and what mm. what in what activity inside of social connection you'd assume would just be like deep conversations and maybe some kind of activity together. So Adonis has most maybe 80% masculine, maybe 20% feminine. And recently I've been bringing in like this new character, Anastasia, which is kind of like his woman. And so when I do maybe expand on her, she would have the opposite of that. Okay, interesting, yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, how about compassion? Like, do you, is Adonis a compassionate being? Mm, yeah. Yeah. He's got to be, he's the tribe leader. Okay, nice, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, one thing, I've just been writing a, a compassion assignment. I'm doing um, I'm doing a course in mindfulness studies and the, the topic that I've just been doing is compassion. So it's like top of mind at the moment. Um, and yeah, I've just been kind of realizing that compassion practice is just as important as mindfulness practice. And uh, we, we do have compassion uh, meditations and courses on Medito. But we're thinking about thinking about ways that we can kind of increase that even more and kind of bring mindfulness and compassion almost onto an even level rather than being overly focused on uh, mindfulness. Um, mm. because... What is the practice for compassion? So yeah, there's a bunch of different things you can do. Um, there's loving kindness practice, practice mm. where you can uh, you basically send well wishes to you start with your yourself. Like self-compassion is always the place to start because you kind of have to show compassion to yourself before you're able to show compassion to to others. So yeah, you start with yourself, then you move on to people who who are close to you because that's generally quite easy to do, um, especially if you choose maybe like a pet or something, somebody who you, there's no complicated relationship. There's no there's definitely aren't any uh, you know negative feelings. It's really easy to to show love to your dog or your cat, you know? Um, and But once you have that flow of compassion going towards somebody who, you could, who it's really easy for you to show compassion to, then it can be easier then to like transfer that flow of compassion over to somebody else. Um, and yeah, you can start with people close to you, which is generally fairly easy, but then, then you extend it to people who, at first, people who you just don't really know that well, but then you, you you take it even further and you extend it to people that maybe you don't even like or, mm. or you even hate you know <laughs> if there's That's anybody powerful. that you hate yeah um and and in buddhism there's um a term called bodhicitta which is um the sadness in the heart that is awakened through compassion and it, it's basically when you start when you start practicing and i've experienced this as well when you start practicing compassion you you experience this sadness because you realize that there are so many people or living things in the world that are suffering and and when you start compassion compassionate practice you want and, and compassion is different from just love like before i used to think of love and compassion as the same thing but love is generally you know it's a loving feeling that you can have for everybody and everything compassion takes action so compassion 
uh, in compassion is an element of wanting to alleviate others of their suffering and taking action to try to to do that um so when yeah when you practice compassion and it awakens the sadness in your heart because you're you you realize that there's just so much suffering and all you want to do is just to stop that suffering and help other people to reach bliss as well you know um then yeah then you just yeah you just feel that sadness and it's like tragic and it's raw and it's and it can be hard as well and it can be like so i've been i was practicing um it was actually another type of compassion practice is a safe place um practice and it's intended for self-compassion so it's a, it's like a visualization where you you imagine yourself in a completely safe place and and you kind of notice the the feelings of warmth that can come with that um, but when I was doing that, I realized that I didn't have to imagine that I was in a safe place. Like I, I was in a safe place. I was so like, it was a beautiful day. I could hear the birds singing. I was, I was sat in a, a bright, warm room with nothing to do except to think about compassion. And I just thought, how incredibly lucky am I? And I, I, would, I just felt overjoyed. But then that quickly turned to sadness. And that was the body, body chitter that even the sadness in the heart that was awakened through compassion. Um, and I was just sad because I was like, there's like, the, it was, this was a few weeks ago, like Ukraine was very, very much top of mind for a lot of people. And, uh, and I was thinking, I'm really lucky to be in a completely safe place, but there are many people in the world, many living things, like many people, many animals who are terrified and in pain, who are, you know, going through extreme suffering and yeah and it just left me with it, with a lingering sense of sadness so after the session finished like I started on this high of oh my god I'm, I feel so lucky and happy but the lingering feeling afterwards was of sadness um but that's that's what happens when you practice compassion like you, you, you it awakens this this sadness um but that but then following that so that it's, it's kind of like you, you practice mindfulness mindfulness then you practice compassion and it starts to waken you up and and then insights come to you you know um and i feel like that's you know it's been it's been talked about in the eastern eastern tra mm. traditions for thousands of years and it's something that we can all do um and that it's part of waking up that's a beautiful practice who are you compassionate for today who am i compassionate for today um well i've just i just got back from i i went to visit family yesterday like it's a long time since i've seen like a bunch of my family because i've been away and um and yeah it was just like generally nice to just see everyone and uh yeah, but yeah, so I'm just, yeah, I'm feeling gra grateful for my family, compassionate towards my family. Um, yeah, how about you? I, I saw your video yesterday about parents, which I, I just mm. loved that video. I thought it was amazing. Thank and you. you talked about your, like the development of the relationship with your parents that wasn't so great before. Um, and yeah, I thought that's a beautiful story and talking about how we can help our parents with but by passing on the things that we learn through things like mindfulness and, and gratitude practice mm. um, so yeah so how like i'm guessing your parent your relationship with your parents is quite quite good now 
Yeah, it is. I really have you, you guys to thank for that because the the start of the improvement for our relationship was my mental health practice and that's when I started taking a step back from like all the bad habits and especially gratitude was a big one for me when I moved back home I was taking some random course on a website and it said to write someone a gratitude letter and it felt oh it was so cringe it was so uncomfortable but I wrote one for my father and then the next lesson of the course I'd like read it to them so I didn't want to waste time. I took action straight away. I brought my dad in here, just read him the letter. It was just cringe, but like we both cleared up a little bit, hugged him. And it, that moment honestly transformed like our entire family's life because I'd never really taken even a second to think what I was grateful for. Like I was so filled with like hate and resentment for all of my life for like how they treated me when, you know, they disciplined me and everything. And just this random practice of just thinking, okay, but what could I be grateful for? Well, they've dedicated their lives to me. Like they, they left their families so that we could live in the UK. And like, they don't really like it here that much. Like all of their family, all their friends, everything they had was in Pakistan. My dad had like a fantastic job. He had hundreds of people working for him. And one of the text messages he, he sent me once was that he gave all that up to work like a laborer here in the UK, just so we could go through a British university. And I never even like for all my life, I never can consider that they actually like did good things for us because I was just blinded by hate and resentment. And that the practice of gratitude and improving my mental health really gave me that clarity to think like they love me so much and I love them. And I've just, you know, I need to take steps to actually improve that relationship. Mm. But in terms of who I'm compassionate for today, it's my mother. I was walking back from the gym and I was listening to like a podcast about like health and the uh, podcast guest talked about some like illnesses and sicknesses that happen to people as they get older like dementia like I don't really understand a bunch of you know how they happen or anything but I assume it just kind of like from bad habits not exercising and everything and as soon as he mentioned something like dementia and he said like 50% of people over age 60 get it mm. I felt like so sad and so like almost guilty for my mother thinking like here I am like I'm so into fitness I'm so into health and everything and I haven't really taught her that much and like she could use the help like do you know what I mean she's kind of like struggles to exercise or to eat clean and stuff and like here I am you know I'm, I speak on YouTube that you know I'm the master I know so much about fitness and I've, I've got the body and everything well why don't I teach my family that mm. so I feel like a huge sense of compassion towards my mother right now yeah yeah I think that's really good advice I think we can all follow that lead and yeah try to help our parents you know and yeah it's a good place to start they've helped us a lot I was out in to try to help them. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so what do they think of like what you've built? Are they, are they proud? Yeah, nothing but supportive, even from the start. One of the things I've been saying is like, I've had a very easy journey with YouTube, like from the start, as soon as I moved back home from that Shun city and I kind of just told everyone that I was on YouTube. I was almost expecting them maybe to maybe criticize it and, you know, tell me to focus on something else. But straight away, they were supportive. My dad sent my channel to like everyone in the village. Mm -hmm. So imagine having like almost no subscribers straight away. And I had like 80 overnight and like, you know, they kept on trickling in as well. Then I started getting comments from people who's like, oh, like, hey, bro, I'm... <laughs> I should have done the excellent, but like, hey, bro, I'm from your dad's farm. And, you know, so I've got supporters and my dad's like proper encouraging me. That's when I made like the back pain video because he's like, oh, yeah, like, Lots of people have back pain to make a back pain video but like there was nothing much supportive and now there's so much like mutual respect like there's so much there was always love but now i'm really feeling like the respect of them my my sister my brother because now they, they see that i'm not that same kid that they knew a few years ago who was just spending all day in his room just playing video games and lying around on social media and stuff they see that i've 
are making a big impact here. Seemingly hundreds of thousands of guys' lives have changed because of the work we're doing here, me, myself and my team. They see that I've employed 11 people. Now it's soon to be like 13. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, honestly, it blows my mind and it seems to really impress them as well. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. 11 people, 13 people, what, what do they all do? <laughs> so I, right now I have five video editors and I have a personal assistant, email copywriter. And just later on today, yeah, later today, we're going to get two more video editors. And then I also have a Instagram video editor. Then I also have a thumbnail creator for the videos. It's very interesting. The the Instagram editor, who they just kind of like edit, you know, like Instagram reels for my Instagram page. And then the thumbnail maker for the YouTube videos, they are 17 and 15 years old. <laughs> and they get they make more money working for me than all of my friends wow. <laughs> like all, all my friends are professionals they've all went to uni like master's degree and everything and these kids just by like making videos and like little cartoon pictures make more money than they do that's amazing it's <laughs> <laughs> so cool but yeah you can like you're you've built something and you're you're giving people jobs and security and that's amazing mm, thank okay. you Thank you. I think that's the best part of all this. I think a lot of people, like, you kind of get desensitized to the comments after a while. You know, the first few comments I said, like, oh, Hamza, your video is really good. You've changed my life. That was amazing. Now it's just kind of like, I, I wish, you know, I, I felt more to it, but it's just, it, it does nothing to me reading a comment like that because there's been so many of them. And I really hope that I don't sound arrogant there, but like when you see the effect in front of someone and, you know, someone's just messaged me, like one of my video editors, he's from Georgia and his mother moved i believe to italy to work to bring make money and she was expected to come back like one or two years from now to you know when she she was going to save up money this video editor makes so much money that he's just like paying for her to come back and like she doesn't need to be there anymore another one the, the first guy sam he was on the same kind of benefits that i was at the same time so we were both on in the uk it's called universal credit it's kind of like government welfare we were both on the same one and now he makes like a very very respectable amount per month just editing videos and he says like it's the best job you could dream of yeah. another one used to work in uber eats and like Deliveroo in america now he works does this full time another one was working in a grocery store and he quit on the day that i paid him a thousand euros for this one particular video and he like screenshot it sent it to his father showed me it and everything i feel like i'm really like this that's the thing i'm most proud of is, is my team because I, I really feel like their lives have like significantly changed because of this. Yeah, it sounds like it. Incredible. Thank you. And and so you said, um, I think I think you just mentioned just now that it's been quite easy to building a YouTube channel. Have mm -hmm. you had any challenges? Surely there must have been some. I was speaking about this to a YouTuber just uh, two days ago, where we were talking about burnout and a bunch of the challenges that can come with YouTube. And every time he was telling me like, oh, you know, he's experienced this and this and this, I kept on saying like, bro, like I can emphasize with that, you know, I kind of feel bad for you and, you know, let's talk about it. But like, I, I can't relate at all because my journey to YouTube has, it's just been a consistent growth up. Usually creator burnout and like mental health for the creator comes from um, two things. It's overworking slash under resting, under recovering, and then also lacking results. So the YouTube analytics is very, very ruthless. So on YouTube, you, you see all the data so clearly, like if you posted bad videos, it's in your face that you're a loser. And so I, I've always felt a little bit immune to these both things because one of the things that I've never given up, like the priority above my work is my mental, like my health in general. So I eat clean, I, I like 
sleep is like fantastic for me like my habits at least sometimes obviously i get a bad night of sleep i wake up or something but like my habits of like going to bed at like 9 a.m waking up uh, going to bed at 9 p.m waking up early and everything no phones and screens before bedtime eating clean meditating gratitude journaling being around family relationships love i've always kept that up through all all of this journey so far whereas i speak mm -hmm. to a fair amount of creators who kind of say like the time that they hit burnout was because for two, three, four weeks, they were focused on a project. They didn't leave their room. They didn't speak to anyone. They didn't get any sunlight. They were, you know, small weird things like they didn't get sunlight. They didn't even drink enough water and nutrition and, and sleep. They, they really, really negatively in, impact you and it can mm. be so overlooked. But I, I always, always kept up all of the practices that I started with. And mm. like meditation was a big one of that. So honestly, it's like, I've not had any huge problems of course we've you know we've had obstacles but then myself and my team overcame every single one so far yeah yeah and that makes sense because like the stuff that you're teaching like you're you're clearly living that so and if you're living the things that you're teaching then then yeah you shouldn't have too many problems and when you when you're practicing gratitude like even if problems do come up you're focusing on the positive things you're you're thankful for the things that have gone right so then those negative things or those problems that come up, they're just not so big because they're yeah. just things that happen. Like things will always come up. Like problems are, ine are inevitable. So yeah, as long as you're living in a good way, then you can deal with it. Mm. Well, every problem is a learning lesson when you have the right mindset. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I now think actually, like everything is a lesson. Like whatever we're going through right now, like this conversation is a lesson. Like everything is a lesson, you know. And we can learn from we can learn from whatever's happening in our life. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I've kind of really landed upon recently. Like everything is a lesson. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so, I I think. Well, so you've got this huge follow following, or is it like four hundred fifty thousand followers or something now, isn't it? Um, yeah, about that. And it is lots of young people, like young men, and they're looking for you, looking to you for inspiration and advice and guidance, and they're holding you up there as like a role model. So that comes with a lot of responsibility, doesn't it? Like, how how does that mm. make you feel? Does that does that ever get, get to you, or do you ever think, "Am I doing the right thing?" You like, do you start questioning yourself, or like, you yeah, sure you're <laughs> going in the right direction? I love yeah. it. I I just recorded a video today, which is going to be titled "Everyone's Watching Me," and I love it. Where I talk about it's kind of like I have four hundred thousand accountability partners, which is it's unheard of. You know, mm. you have one accountability partner, someone who's like messaging you to make sure that you get to sleep on the right time, you do the good habits. That's kind of valuable. I'm in the spotlight and I'm a very, very, very like unfiltered, open person. And like authenticity is like the number one thing I've been rated every time I do like some kind of poll and a bunch of people, I ask them like, why do you watch my videos? What's special about me? And they always say authenticity in every single video, most videos, I, I start the video by talking about my mistakes. So after the intro, I always tell like a story of my own life about the video topic where I messed up. And I, I do that repetitively with every single one. And so even a month ago, there's times where I record a video where I like, I'll specifically say like, oh yeah, this is the advice that I gave to you, but I messed up. And so this is my learning lessons to it. Mm. And the amount of growth that I've been through because of this, because there's hundreds of thousands of people watching my every step, it's phenomenal. I think that level of pressure may be too much for certain people, but for me, it's always been like a more is better. The more eyes on me, 
I like it. Maybe it's ego, something like that. But I like, I personally like the attention. And I like that everyone's like watching me. Everyone's calling me out. If I post like a small video of me like eating ice cream, I'll get a hundred, two hundred, five hundred messages of people like swearing at me, like you know, telling me like, "Hamza, you told us not to eat ice cream." Like, so obviously that keeps me in check because one of the things that I really disagree with in this like sort of modern narrative about like self improvement and becoming successful is this idea of like you know, do it for yourself. Like, don't don't go to the gym to impress anyone else. Don't do anything because it sound that sounds like awesome advice. I don't know if I'm just different, but like we're supposed to do things for other people. Like we're we're supposed to want to be socially included. And so this idea of like, oh no, don't go to the, to the gym to like attract women. Do it for yourself. But it's like attracting like your partner is like one of the most important things of life. And like, of course, you want to be more attractive. You want to feel more confident with the body that you've built. And the same with um, having this level of accountability. I, I love that people watch me. Good. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think, like you say, there is an element of ego. Like, we all have egos. Like, we can't, we can't pretend that our egos don't exist. And like, in if there's an idea of uh, getting to a place of like less ego through meditation and mindfulness, but we we never want to completely get rid of our egos because mm. our egos are very useful tools, <laughs> and mm. we need our egos to navigate the world that we live in. Um, so I think. Yeah, I think it's completely fine to acknowledge that we have egos and that we, certain things that we do will be act, acts of ego. Um, mm. It's just important to not get too caught up in our egos, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course. I'd, um, I'd say yeah. the overwhelming majority of people could use reading books like Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. I was just reading that as well. Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday, reading the like great works like that, and then just contemplating and really questioning asking themselves why like five times anytime they want something anytime they're about to do something um for most i mean maybe not most people but at least my perception of like myself and like the people i come across like you could do with at least understanding more about your ego but you're absolutely mm -hmm. right in what you say you wouldn't want to have no ego at least at least up until you're kind of done with life so th this idea, um, Eckhart Tolle, this idea of like achieving that, that stage of enlightenment is, is so attractive. But I say this to my video editor that if I do experience ego death through like meditation or psychedelics, like everything would probably stop. Like I'd probably stop going to the gym. I'd probably stop making the videos. I'd probably stop doing like 90% of the things I'm doing because ego fuels it. So, you know, it sounds awesome for me to say like, oh yeah, I make these videos to help people, but like 100% ego's gotta be involved. Ego, ego in the sense of, I want status. I, I wanna feel like up the, the social hierarchy. I want money, I want fame. Like, of course I do. And so if if my ego was removed from all that and I still wanted to like help people, maybe I'd be doing it in a very less significant impacting way than I would be mm -hmm. right now. And like less people would actually see the message. And so I don't want to, completely lose my ego just yet mm. i think it's very important to keep it in check and really be aware of it and that's why that book is so good especially like um when i find that i've got like a major phase in life like right now we've, we've achieved a really good level of success i go back to that same book by ryan holiday the ego is the enemy and he's got like chapters on like when you're reaching for a goal when you have success and when you have failure and so i go through those sections very very routinely every couple of months to just keep myself in check because it's so important but at the same time if I had no ego, like I wouldn't be on this call. I, I wouldn't be doing 90% of that. I'd go, if I had no ego, I'd probably go back to playing video games and doing all the bad habits again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, and like you say, like your your ego is helping to sell the message, you know, like you're yeah. part of the reason that people like watching your videos. Like you say, there's a level of uh, authenticity there. And that's because your personality is shining through and like your ego is 
your personality is basically your ego you know so um so yeah but yeah it's very still in, really interesting to to think about how all that all works um and like you and when you said about um enlightenment uh as talked about, about by Eckhart Tolle when he like if you achieve that enlightenment and you lose your ego then you might just not want to come back again <laughs> um but there's have you heard of the uh, of bodhisattva uh, no. a, a bodhisattva is again is an idea from buddhism where once you have achieved enlightenment if you then decide that because you, once you achieve enlightenment you could just live in bliss you know you can just like there's nothing you need to do because you've you've realized the oneness with the rest of reality and you can just sit in bliss you can sit and meditate and you'll be in bliss for the rest of eternity um but bodhisattvas are ones who have achieved that blissful state and then they decide they're not going to stay there because what they want to do is to help other people um and they dedicate their lives to compassion so that's where yeah that's where yeah. body bodhisattvas come in <laughs> um which i, I really like the idea <laughs> so that's what Eckhart Tolle has right now do you think uh yeah possibly possibly yeah. yeah 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 i guess like teachers people who like some people are just clearly awakened right um mm. and then they, they don't have to teach people about it the reason they're teaching yeah. people about how to reach that enlightened state is to help them also get to that blissful place so yeah i would say that i would say so like bodhisattvas become teachers hmm. would you lose your ego if you could yeah like like i think like you say like not permanently i think it's nice yeah. to it's nice to um experience that and get to that blissful state um but i kind of had that experience recently where i felt like like I was contemplating death. <laughs> I was thinking about like what it'd be like to die, and uh, and, ex and and trying to accept my own death because mm. it's going to happen at some point, and it's quite a more morbid topic. But I think people don't talk about death enough, actually. Mm. Um, and and I was ready to accept my own death from like one from a perspective of, of like an observer. So I was just kind of watching my response to the idea of death, and. And in the end, I kind of realized that even though I was like logically fully accepting of dying, like I felt like my body and my mind were still resisting it. And I, but I think the reason is because I felt like I still had work to do, you know, I still had stuff that I wanted to achieve. And generally, I think like with Medito, like I've still got work to do at Medito, you know, I, need, I, need, I want to build that app even more, I want to help it to re reach even more people. Um, so I'm not quite ready to uh, to clock off yet <laughs> mm. that's a really really powerful practice to get into so it's mm. a um there's a stoic practice called i think it's memento mori so meditating on death mm. and i've only done it a few times but i think being introspective and again honestly my best piece of advice is just like just turn everything off and just stare at your wall for some time and just ask yourself like these deep meaningful questions mm. and one of them should be something like what is the purpose of my life here what if i died what if my parents died because especially that one this idea okay wake up and literally meditate on your parents death well what are you going to do after that you're going to walk into their room and hug them and like tell them that you love them even you know that that visualization for me feels a bit like cringe and uncomfortable it shouldn't be but it's like you know if you haven't like been so like touchy-feely and lovey with your parents then you do have a level of resistance but mm -hmm. when you do something so abnormal 
to meditate on your parents' death, suddenly like things get into perspective and you think, wait, hang on, like it doesn't matter if it's cringy, like this, you know, this might be the last, it could rationally be the last time that I ever get to hug her. Mm. And doing the same thing for your own death as well really makes you question, okay, well, am I doing the right things here? If I died right now, would I be proud of the last few years of my work? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, this How would you answer that question? I think I'm I'm happy the way, with the way things are going at the moment. <laughs> um yeah, I'm proud of what I've been working on. Um but there's still this more like there's a lot of stuff that I work on that I'm not that I'm like like Medito isn't my full time job. Um, we're all volunteers at Medito, you know, we're all working on other things and then Medito is our side project. Um, so, yeah, it's, I feel like I can move even more, even more in the direction of working on the stuff that I care about, just making it happen, you know, and mm. being, being focused on, on, yeah, on, 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 on being focused on the things that I really care about, you know, um, so there's, there's more to be done. Um, yeah. It's just thinking about ways, just ways to make it happen. Yeah. What are the things that you care about? So, like I've realized recently, I, I feel like I want to be, or in a way, I am like a teacher. Um, like I, I want to be a mindfulness and maybe even a yoga teacher. I'm, I'm not like a qualified yoga teacher, but I've, um, I recently led like a yoga session and. Um, and I really enjoyed it, so I want to do more of that, and maybe become a qualified qualified yoga teacher. So if I could, you know, dedicate my life to teaching people about mindfulness and yoga, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'd feel like I was doing something worthwhile, uh, helping people to become happier. Um, that's what I would love to, do, to dedicate my life to. Um, at the, and at the moment, at the moment, it's just one part of my life. It would be great if it could become, you know, the whole of my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, how about you? Do you feel like you're you're on the right path in terms of what you're you're doing at the moment? Yeah, one hundred percent. When I I just ask myself that question right now, like if I died, would I be proud? Would I be content and grateful for the actions that I've taken? And yeah, one hundred percent. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm ambitious and there's more to do, and you know there's other things I want to achieve. But when I think about where I've come from, when you know, literally, two, not even two years, about one one year, 10, 11 months ago, I was just not living a good life whatsoever. I was entirely selfish, self-focused, not doing anything productive. And to think how much I've accomplished in less than two years, it blows my mind. So I'm, I'm incredibly happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that you mentioned earlier, which I thought was quite interesting, was when you said about um, like doing the stuff with YouTube means that you're, you're not working, but in, in a way, like you are working, like you're doing really important work. <laughs> Um, which is like building your community and your channel and, and, and teaching very, very valuable things. But the fact that you can think of it as not work, that, that is amazing because like it, it is work, but it's when your life can become your work and, mm. and you don't think of it, like we often think of work as something that people tell us to do and it's something that we don't want to do, but it's not necessarily like the work that you're doing is work. It's, it's important work. Um, but you're, yeah, you're definitely you, like you're clearly on the right path because when you're when you don't even think of your work as work, um, but it's paying your your bills and you're doing something important and you're enjoying it, like you're clearly clearly on the right path. 
Thank you. I just told a joke to my to Sam, the video editor, I think it was yesterday. Say we were talking about like nine to five jobs and we make jokes like, oh bro, we should just get a nine to five job, bro. This is too hard. And I told him we left the nine to five and now we work till ten. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, mate. It's it's that cliche um quote, which is like if you love what you do, then you, you don't work a day in your life. Mm. Like this is this is my new redefinition of work because this is the work that I know now. But compared to work that I have had previously, this is incredibly different. It's, this is like, I want to think about this stuff. I want to do it more often. I, I literally read books on goals and time management and stuff because I want more time for this because this is like, it, it's fun for me. It's just kind of like how going to the gym is for me. After, you know, for a lot of people, when they first start off going to the gym, it's 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 work, it's it's hard, it's it's uncomfortable. They're doing it for the end result. But when you do eventually get into the flow of things and maybe if you're naturally built in a certain way and you find something like, for example, the gym and it becomes intrinsically motivated, that's like, that's the fun of the day. That's the that's me playing. I'm in the gym and I'm literally playing with the weights. I'm, I'm here right now. This is play for me. This is like, this is my like fun for the day. I've abandoned all of like the fun habits that I used to do, which is like video games and Netflix and all that stuff, because I don't need to. Like mm. I get more enjoyment from a conversation like this. I get more enjoyment just recording videos or just speaking to my team. And it's a beautiful experience, honestly. It's such a privilege, but I love that it's becoming just more and more common. And it's so accessible to people these days to just create a business like this, which it's more of like a lifestyle business and it doesn't feel like work. You're doing something you're passionate about and it, you, you have the possibility to do some like really meaningful, fulfilling tasks. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get there and <laughs> working my way towards it. I think. Yeah. Does this um, work fulfill you when you work for Medito? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, me and the others. Yeah like we have a, a big team of us now working on it and we're all doing it in our spare time so yeah and we're doing it because we care about it and yeah it makes a big difference doesn't it when mm. it's something that you really care about i think you might like you guys might be experiencing something similar to what i said before where like the positive comments kind of you know they're so nice and you want to you want to see like positive i'm sure you guys see on like your instagram and everything but it kind of like loses the the glimmer, the, the love, the significance after a while, up until you really like see someone face to face. And Stephen, like you've changed my life with this work that you've done, you and the team genuinely, like I'm only here today because of the mental health practices that I implemented straight away. And Medito was the app and it is still is literally the only app that I use for meditation. You guys genuinely changed my life. And with that, you've indirectly changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of young men. We look up to you guys. That's amazing. That's so good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, just one last, because I know we were coming up to an hour already. I can't believe it. It's gone really quickly. Um, so one thing that I feel like I'm missing a bit in my life at the moment is the gym. I used to go to the gym quite a lot. Um, what made you stop? Just, I know, I know it's, it's a really poor excuse, but just I was just so busy. <laughs> like just constantly doing work and then like, you know, my, my, my work as in my, my salary job and then Medito and then, yeah, just so much stuff going on. And yeah, the gym just kind of took a bit of a backseat. Um, and it's been a month, months now since I've, I've, I've been, um, but I was thinking about getting a personal trainer. What do you think about personal trainers? Should I get a personal trainer? 100%. That's <laughs> such a good investment. 
It's just, you have a professional in front of you who's giving you uh, immediate feedback. I feel like there's a certain book which really talks about like immediate feedback being one of the most important things to really get into something. And that's incredibly valuable. It blows my mind that people think like, oh, you know, they're too expensive, they're 30, what, $50 an hour or something. You save so much time, the potential for risk. It's just so much more fun when you know what you're doing, you've got a plan. You don't need to like ask, you know, like kind of scratch your brain and think like, oh, like, what should I do? Get into it first, three months with a personal trainer, like, your future will never be the same again. Mm. You, know, you, you say that you didn't have time for it. I'm trying to think of who, what his name is. It's the CEO of Virgin Airlines, Richard, Richard Branson. Branson, yeah, he like he owns an island. He did a mastermind group with an author that I really like, Russell Brunson. And one of the guys in this group asked him about productivity techniques. And Richard Branson said that the number one thing that's helped his productivity the most is exercising, exercising every mm. single day. He said that it gives you more hours of the day. So if you feel like mm. you don't have enough time, that's when you need to actually exercise because mm. like the, the benefits, if, if there was a pill that gave you the benefits of exercise, it'd be worth trillions really. So the benefits of it actually make your day more efficient, even though you've invested 30 to 60 minutes in that workout. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I might even because the gym is right across the road from my flat, so I might even after this call just go straight over there and just just buck one in. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. That'll be honestly like don't even overthink it. Like it's clear that you want to get into it. The advice I give to a lot of people, you can really go down the rabbit hole with like you know the perfect way to to structure your diet and and the routine and of which exercises and like what should you eat and everything, and it's the exact same advice that I give in terms of meditation where I tell them bro like just start literally download Medito, download any of the apps and don't don't think about it don't think about like you know which which style of meditation it doesn't work for me or anything literally just trust in the process and literally just start if you mm. Stephen if you go to the gym a few days a week and don't think anything other than that but you just go a few days a week and like every single week for the rest of your life like you you're gonna see the in, like absolutely game changing differences as time goes on you don't mm. need to overthink it even the personal trainer is a fantastic addition but even if you didn't do that literally just walk into the gym and just like see where your mind and your heart tell you and for a lot of beginners it's usually like oh yeah just go onto the machines because they look kind of easy but slowly and surely you gain like a level of confidence you, you speak to a few people there and then you kind of see like someone doing an exercise there that you want to try then you youtube algorithm somehow is like listening to what you say so it kind of recommends you like a gym video you watch that and you slowly get into it it'll be really good for you yeah okay cool i'm gonna do it Definitely i'm excited for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool well um thank you so much for taking the time it's been really really cool talking to you um, thank you for having me yeah maybe we can do it again at some point because i really enjoyed it and i feel like there's probably lots more that we can talk about um, yeah of course i would love to okay awesome great well yeah thank you again um and yeah we'll put links down in the description to your channel uh, you. and everybody should go and check that out and yeah thank you very much i'm grateful for the conversation Stephen. cool i'll speak to you later have a great night bye bye Bye-bye.